Welcome to the EQ Podcast. Welcome to the EQ Podcast, a ministry focused on equipping ministry leaders in Calvary Chapel Association in the Pacific Northwest. I'm your host, Zach Lamberson, and with me today is a good friend and longtime pastor of Calvary Chapel Rathdrum, uh, Corey Kirkham. How you doing, Corey? Doing good. Glad to be here. And we've got Pastor Steve Winery with us as well. How you doing, Steve? Good. So, Corey, I, you know, I really want to dive into a little bit of your past, as I do with most of our guests. I want to know, you know, you've been at Calvary Rastrum since 2004, according to your website. I looked it up on Wikipedia. So, um, <laughs> how, you know, how did you get there? I mean, I want to know, go back to, you know, your your origin story, if you will, how you got saved, what transitions you made, and really, uh, you know, how you ended up going off and, and you planted the church in Rastrum, correct? No, actually, I didn't. It, it, okay. Yeah, it was a church in crisis when I stepped in. Yep. So it was, well, yeah, I would love you to walk us through what that looked like. Yeah. Okay. So I born and raised in the church. Mom always took me to church growing up in the Lutheran church and uh, met Christ in high school through a ministry called Young Life. I know you guys are real familiar with Young yep. Life. Um, and went off to college at the University of Washington and while I was there, I was serving as a, a volunteer leader with Young Life. I spent eight years doing ministry at Roosevelt High School in Seattle. Uh, my last two years, I was doing it full time, uh, working half time with Young Life and half time with Calvary Fellowship in, in uh, Seattle with Wayne Taylor. So Craig Finley was a youth pastor there, and he and I partnered up to, to do this together. And is that how you got connected with Calvary Chapels then was through Craig, through I Young Life? I was out for a jog one day, out for a run, and uh, my friend and I were looking for a church, and um, I saw this church that was meeting in a condemned high school, and I thought, what kind of cult meets in a condemned <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got back from my run, and my roommate said, hey, I found a new church for us, so we got to check it out, and it's right over here, it's just around the corner, it was <laughs> Of course, yeah. Yeah. Old Lincoln High School, and um, that I, I had never experienced church where they just simply worship the Lord and then just taught the Bible, just yeah. the Bible to, to to understand what it said, and uh, that just blew my mind. I, I fell in love with that um, after two years serving jointly with Young Life and with Calvary. Um, really felt like the Lord was calling me into church ministry and doing youth ministry within the context of the church. And uh, David Grisanti at Calvary Chapel Silverdale uh, took a chance on me <laughs> and uh, brought me over to interview me. And uh, I spent the next seven years uh, doing youth ministry at Calvary Chapel of Silverdale. And uh, during that time period, met and married my wife. Uh, we were both from Spokane, and um, after a, a few years of being married, we felt the Lord calling us back to Spokane, and so um, we sold our home and, and made the journey back, and I didn't have a job yet, um, but I had met with um, 
the administrator at Calvary Spokane and met with Pastor Ken there. And um, not long after, oh, I think I'd been back two days uh, when they made the decision to bring me on as an assistant pastor. And so I served there with Ken for six years, ending up as his executive pastor. And uh, one day in March of 2004, uh, Ken and I had just gotten back from India and uh, we'd been back less than a week and he stuck his head into my office on a Saturday night after service and said, hey, I need you to go out to Rathrum and preach out there tomorrow. And I said, okay, where's Rathrum? <laughs> um, you know, yeah. No Google Maps at that point, at least not for me. So uh, I had to figure out where Rathrum was and came out and it was a church in crisis. And yeah. um, uh, Was it a Calvary Chapel? What, it was a Calvary Chapel, yeah. It was a couple years old, um, and the pastor had left in scandal. Yeah. And, um, the I came in the first Sunday and just taught it as, as a guest speaker, and the second Sunday I came back to teach again, and the Board of Elders handed me their letter of resignation. And um, so the church had no leadership, um, mm -hmm. It was financially a wreck and um, had been scandalized in, in, in a number of ways. And so over the course of the next few months, I committed to walking this church through the process to come to a, a healthy place. And, oh, it was sometime in the fall. Um, we decided that this was going to be where I would stay and that I was going to step away from Calvary Spokane and that I was going to take this church on and, and pastor it. And uh, so again, uh, my wife and this time three kids sold our house. Um, the church was not in a, a good place financially. So we moved into a 400 square foot mansion um, <laughs> on the property. And, um, the three kids had the bedroom. My wife and I had a futon in the living room, which was also the kitchen. And oh, wow. the only room you could go to, uh, to, to get away was the bathroom, <laughs> the laundry room. Um, and we spent, I, I promised my wife, it would just be a couple of months. And 14 months later, oh. We, we that's a couple after, after, and, uh, <laughs> next March, it'll be 20 years. Awesome. Yeah. So, so been, been a, a real roller coaster ride the whole way. Yeah. So with, uh, with churches that, um, have those kind of problems, especially when a, when a pastor fails morally and, uh, and that kind of thing, um, do you still have repercussions from that? Uh, how how long after the fact did you did you have real issues? Um, whether you're talking about the people who got hurt or whether you're talking about reputation in the area, yeah. that kind of thing. Well, it's still there to yeah. a certain extent, um, but it it hasn't been um, a dominant thing for us probably for the last seven to ten years. Mm -hmm. But um, and, and it, it was longer. Um, I had been at the church for several years when I got a phone call from 
Um, I, I think at this point she was our volunteer secretary um, saying we're being sued. I just saw it in the paper and um, the church was being sued for something that had taken place um, during the previous leadership. And that took, uh, I think around five years to shake oh, out or yeah. we were eventually exonerated. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was thrown out of court and, and all of that. But, you know, really that that's, that's the small part of it. There were so many people hurt yeah. and, and the people that, that filed the lawsuit were deeply hurt. Mm -hmm. um, it, it wasn't the church's doing, but, you know, there was just a lot of damage that happened both uh, from what did happen at the church and, and from other stuff that went on around it. And um, so a lot of wounded people. And so there was a lot of, um, uh, a lot of people lashing out because they were wounded. Uh, a lot of people um, kind of withdrawing into a shell and mm -hmm. not wanting to risk getting hurt again. Yeah. Um, but over How time, the Lord has uh, brought healing. Um, you know, a lot of people have moved on. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm I'm thrilled with those who have planted in a church and are in fellowship and, and are significantly connected and growing in their walk. I'm grieved over those who have, have let this keep them from fellowship. Right. How many people were in the church when you took it over? Gosh. Um, terrible numbers. Yeah. Um, and that was so long ago. I think the first week there were probably like 50 people there. And then word got out that there was going to be a thing going down. Uh, the second week, so a big crowd showed up to watch the dumpster fire. <laughs> and, uh, um, so, but within probably a month or two, it was 50 or under. So, so is that, is that, is that how many people were in the church previously? And what I, the reason I'm asking is because, uh, you know, I've, I've seen situations like this where, you know, the churches aren't all that large, but it just makes this huge impact. Yeah. Um, when when uh, you have this kind of stuff going on. So. I don't know how many were in the church before. I know um, at one point the church was rapidly growing and, mm -hmm. and it was doing really well as far as numbers go. You know, right. yeah. Yeah. as far as numbers go, but obviously there was something something uh, really unhealthy at the right. point. Would you, would you change anything about how you took over that? Because I know you have experience now, hindsight, yeah. looking back, what are some things you would do differently? So, and I've actually given this uh, counsel to others who have stepped into a church. I would have, um, you know, when you step into a role like that, there, there's a real awareness that, okay, there were some things that were wrong and, and there's probably people in leadership who shouldn't be in leadership. Um, mm -hmm. and, and there's a little bit of house cleaning that goes on. Um, what I didn't realize is that it would have been um, very, very beneficial 
um, for us to actually shut down the legal entity of the church, to close the church, um, the, you know, 501c3, um, you know, the, who we are according to the state of Idaho and the U.S. government, and, and to reinstitute a new work legally. Um, we would not have been sued if we'd done that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because there was actually at the point that we were sued, there was not a single person in leadership who had been at the church um, when those things happened. And right. it was at, really at that point just a handful of people who were even just attendees at that time. Yeah. And so the only commonality was our you know, fat federal tax ID number. And that was enough to drag us into a five-year lawsuit. Right. No, that's great advice. I think guys don't consider that, you know, the statute of limitations on stuff like that. <laughs> and the fact that you can come years later and sue a church. And like you said, the people who were involved probably had legitimate griefs and had, you know, issues with the church, but you guys are completely turned over. So it's like, it's, it's a yeah. mess. Yeah. Well, Corey, you're a, uh, I know you're a big missions guy. You actually are wearing a missions shirt, which I thought was great. It was on point for the, the interview. Uh, and my thought was like, how do you cultivate that within your church? What are some missions you guys are doing, first of all? And then how do you cultivate that in your church and you know, kind of get people excited about missions? So we're involved in, in a, a ridiculous number of areas. Um, I think that our church needs to take some Ritalin. <laughs> but, you know it, it, it's all good so we are involved both locally and internationally um, locally we work with our um, crisis pregnancy center open arms real choices clinic and we've been very involved with them and are very supportive of them um, we have a couple of scouting um, troops that we we sponsor an American Heritage Girls troop and a Trail Life troop, and those are open to the community. They are Christ centered and, and they're wonderful ministries. Um, and then on a um, local area um, type of focus too, we we have a ministry called Jesus Loves Rathrum that is a ministry to the Bible-believing churches in Rathdrum. And so we put on the National Day of Prayer event for our little town. And I meet with the, the solid pastors in our area and we have fellowship together and um, try to just encourage them and help them in any way we can serve them. Then internationally, uh, well, Bridge of Hope Africa, it's a ministry to kids in Uganda. It's a great ministry. And uh, we got connected with them through a relationship. You know, we met somebody who um, was on the board of directors and they were looking for a place for a, a children's choir to come and stay for a month. And we just fell in love with them and got connected. And uh, a bunch of people from our church sponsor kids with them. And so we're, we're in touch with them. Uh, in February, we're going to be sending a team to India 
um, with a ministry called New Hope um, there. And uh, we actually had two guys just return uh, about two weeks ago. And they were kind of doing the, the um, scouting trip uh, for the team that's going to go. And New Hope has a, a, a network of about 400 churches. They've got a school. Um, which, you know, in many places overseas, the schools are live in, you know, they're a boarding school. So the kids live there. And um, a lot of different ministries go on throughout that church, a lot of medical stuff. And so we're going to go and uh, help out with that. And, and again, that was a relationship. So uh, uh, one of the guys who is an elder at our church has had a, a decades long uh, relationship with the leadership of New Hope and has been over to India, you know, more than 10 times. Um, and, and so we're connected with them. Um, we're connected with far-reaching ministries, which I know you guys know about, uh, Wes Bentley and his guys. Um, we've been over to Nairobi a couple of times uh, when David Zavala was pastoring in Nairobi and um, just kind of partnered with Calvary Chapel, Nairobi. And um, I'm getting ready in November to go to Costa Rica with Far Reaching uh, to help out with the human trafficking work they're doing there. Well, maybe I should say the anti-human trafficking. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's an so. important distinction. <laughs> yeah, that's a key, key thing. So... Um, so Corey, when you when you're taking when you're doing missions, are you uh, doing like uh, the two week uh, uh, mission trips with your people and and uh, lining them out as far as uh, ministry over there and that kind of thing? Yeah. So e each situation is different. Um, with Bridge of Hope, um, we've haven't gone to Uganda. Um, the kids have come and stayed with us twice, um, mm -hmm. and then. We, you know, is more of a child sponsorship type of relationship. Gotcha. Uh, with far reaching, we've taken small teams. I think the first team was three people, and I think we took six people the second time we went there to, to Nairobi. Um, and we work with the missionaries on the ground to try to do what will help them. Um, one of the things I, I really try to do when we go is make sure that we're not just wearing the mi the missionaries out. Um, you know, they're putting together stuff to, to make us feel like we're doing something significant rather than doing things that will really help them. Yeah, exactly. So I really work hard to um, give the missionaries the freedom to have us do things that will be a benefit to the ministry rather than just eat up their resources and time. Exactly. So you haven't uh, you're, you're keeping it pretty small as far as the groups that are going over and uh, that kind of thing. So it's a the, it's a kind of situation where you don't have to have you know ten to twenty people to go over and do a mission trip. Right. Well, we've yeah. done, we've done both. So um, we've sent small groups to different places. This next time to India will be a group of I think it's going to be twelve people, twelve or fourteen. Awesome. Um, yeah. But there's a, a ministry that builds houses in Mexico um, that we've taken uh, groups uh, from the church where 20 or more people from the church are going, you know, and they'll take a group of 30 down 
it, not always all from our church type of thing. And, um, and we have a few people, we're not really actively doing that right now, but we have a few people in the body who just continue to go twice a year. That's their thing. They love going down there and building houses. Uh, one year we took a group. Um, I think the church had 75 people at that point about, and we took a group of 50 on a wow. <laughs> wow. And oh, yeah. helped uh, a church plant there. Uh, so, you know, there, there was like no one left. <laughs> it was a beautiful thing. Uh, it's like our cool. high school. They'll they'll do their mission trip, take their whole youth group, and then there's like three kids at church that week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's great. No, that's awesome. I love the the work that you guys are doing. You guys even had a point where you were like getting a shipping container for U- Ukraine, right? I mean, another thing, and that was not necessarily anyone going anywhere, but you guys were just as a church supporting, you know, sending off um, you know money or supplies to to Ukraine. How did that come about? I know Craig was involved with that too. Yeah, Craig Finley um, contacted me and um, was wondering if I'd be interested in helping out with the project. And so um, Craig in Seattle, a gal by the name of Samantha Lamus, who um, was in Boston. Um, I think she was, she was at Harvard Medical School in the administration there. And then me in Rathdrum, Idaho. I mean, talk about an odd coupling. <laughs> um, you know, Seattle, Rathdrum, and Boston. And um, we put together um, really um, three, well, four prongs of ministry um, for a brief time. We, we did the shipping container that was in the Seattle area, and uh, we raised money to make large bulk purchases from Costco. And then we also received donations uh, shipped that to the Ukraine. And it was so fun seeing the, the pictures of that arriving, getting unloaded. And then <laughs> those supplies went out to people in need all over Ukraine, um, guys in vans that were taking it all over the country. Um, we sent a, a smaller package of prescription drugs so um, we were able to work with um, a pharmacist here in Rathdrum, a doctor in the Midwest somewhere, I think it was like Kansas City, and um, then a medical team in the Ukraine to provide them with some prescription drugs that they couldn't get. Oh, wow. Um, so that was a, a cool thing. And then um, Craig actually has taken two teams to the Ukraine and has um, done ministry all across the country, um, just encouraging the body of Christ and delivering supplies. Um, We also did, and this was kind of a a separate thing, our church on our own um, funded a couple of guys out of a church that a couple in our body have a relationship with, and because they were loading up a van to take stuff around. And um, we paid for them to buy a couple of wood-fired ovens that they put in a van and they would go from city to city. And this was uh, during the winter and they bake bread and they would bake pizzas in these little villages where no one had any electricity. And they hadn't had a hot meal all winter. Oh, wow. Share the gospel with them. 
and they had some supplies and they just go from place to place doing that. And then Samantha um, back East actually hosted some people, some refugees. Um, and uh, they ended up living in that area for a while and um, got them settled into life here in the States. So it had a couple different problems. We've since shut that down, um, but it, it was a fruitful thing. And it was just three people who really had no clue what they were doing, but were willing to dive in. Awesome. So we got a bunch of, of uh, small fellowships in our area. And so Corey, if you were, if you were gonna talk to the pastor, um, a uh, pastor who was interested in getting involved in men, in uh, missions, um, how would you tell him to go about it? I, I'd say start small and um, find, find something like a, a house build in Mexico or a church plant in, in Wyoming, or I know you guys just helped out uh, a church in Montana to do some stuff, go do a VBS for a church, a small church that hasn't been able to put together a VBS. You know, take your VBS team on the road. Uh, you know, you do it at your church, you figure out how to do it. Well, why waste all that learning, mm -hmm. all that experience? Take that team, put them in a couple of vans, uh, drive to a small Calvary that, that doesn't know how to do a VBS and put it on form with their people walking alongside you we actually the first time we ever did vbs it was a missionary from the philippines who um we knew and she asked well what are you doing for vbs and i said oh we we've never done one and we don't know how and she, she was on uh, on leave for the summer staying in, in, in the states and so she said she just took over and you're doing a VBS. So <laughs> together, she taught us how to do it. And we've done one uh, almost every year since then. Yeah. So pick something small that, that can get your people activated, get them excited. And um, there are a lot of ministries. Um, Northwest Outreaches is a group that we've worked with um, in Mexico. They're based in Oregon. Um, they've got a compound that you stay in, in Mexico. And, um, you know, we would do it really, um, uh, low cost. So we would actually drive van loads of people to Mexico. Oh, wow. Sleep on church floors on the way down. You know, you one sleep in Salt Lake, one sleep in, in, um, Southern Cal. And then you go to Costco and then cross the border and you're, you're there by lunch and you can build a house in four days if you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, then you reverse the trip and come home. And, it, you know, I don't remember exactly what the price is now, but it, it was like $400 a person or $1,000 for a family. Yeah. And yeah, you can do this stuff that's really easy. And, um, you know, if, if you feel like, oh, that doesn't sound easy to me. Come with someone, you know, hey, yeah. with us uh, to India and, and, and get a picture of what that's like and then take that back to your church. You know, join one of these trips uh, just to come along and see and um, learn how to do it. But it, it's it's so good. It, it revitalizes you and your people and, and it gives them a, a viewpoint 
um, that too many of our people lack. Uh, they haven't been in, in places of great need. They haven't seen other places in the world. And I think it's a really healthy thing to do that when you have the opportunity to. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to change veins real quick and we'll kind of wrap it up with this. But I know you and I know you are unique in regards to how you prepare for a Sunday morning in your sermon prep. And uh, just a polite way of saying slow. (laughs) Well, I just I know you've got a method, and I know I think you know everyone's got a different approach. And I actually think even as a teacher, you're stylistically different than a lot of Calvary guys, and I like it. You know, Corey, I think you're you're in the mold that God has you. But you know, what is your approach? What would you encourage guys with with what they do? But you know, I just want to know, kind of give insight to guys because again, this is a podcast for ministry leaders and pastors and. You know, it's, it's, I like to hear insights. What do you do? What, what are some things that are helpful for you? So what does, it look, what does a typical work week look like for you preparing for Sunday morning? So um, my sermon prep starts Sunday evening or Monday morning, and I will read the next passage. So uh, a lot of times I won't be sure exactly where it's going to end. I know where it starts because that's where I left off. And yeah. so I'll, I'll begin reading that next passage and read it a few times and then just let that sit. Um, by Thursday, I like to um, know what my passage is going to be, though I, I'm not always right um, as far as where, where it's going to end. Um, and I'll start studying and I will spend the whole day Thursday studying and I'll take notes, um, but I don't begin writing the message yet. Um, so I'll, I'll read the passage over and over, different translations. Um, I'll read commentaries. Um, probably one of the biggest helps to me is I'll just cut and paste the passage into my um, into my my sermon document, and I go through and I format the text, and that helps me process it in my head. Um, and, and I'll break it down into paragraphs and lines and thoughts. And um, if you ever look at my notes, they are a, a lot of colors, uh, bold and italic, and it drives some people crazy. Um, you, know, you know, if you're even slightly autistic, you'll <laughs> so um, you know that helps me process it and it helps me kind of break it down in my head. Um, then by Saturday morning, I come back to it and I will spend all day Saturday, usually right up till bedtime, writing the message. And I write word for word. And um, I don't always follow it word for word, but I do pretty much. Uh, I think more so than most guys. And there are some real disadvantages to doing that, but there are also some advantages to doing it. I say far fewer stupid things. (laughs) 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 I very seldom have to apologize to everyone on my notes. Um, So that's kind of my process. Yeah, I know that's unique because, you know, I know a lot of some guys, you know, it's there's kind of a pendulum guys who just wing it, you know, up by led by the spirit. 
And you know, then the other end of the spectrum, which is you, and yes. you know, like needing to know everything. And I, you know, I, I don't think any method is necessarily wrong. It's what works for you. And so God's used you in that. And so I just thought it was. I I remember you mentioning that when you were at our conference. Well, I got to go home. I got to study all day. And I was like, all day. He's like, well, I actually got to read all day and study, and then I'm going to prepare another day. And I'm like, two days of the week are gone. That's <laughs> and he's still somehow functional as an adult. So. Yeah. Props yeah. to you, buddy. An assumption. <laughs> yeah, the two things that I would I would say that I because not everyone's going to do you know few people are going to do what I do, but I really encourage guys don't just do what you've seen, but really figure out uh, what is the best way for you and with what God is having you do. And the other thing that I really encourage guys. Um, don't just um, read and ramble. Uh, don't just read the text and talk about it a little bit. Read the text and talk about it. Figure out what it is that both the God is saying in the larger context of the passage so that there is a, a real overarching message that people can walk away with. And, and, and both you want to look at what is what is very specifically God saying in this passage as a whole, but also what is God saying to this body of believers on this day? And, mm -hmm. and really be seeking the Lord to, um, to speak to you on that. I'm on my sabbatical right now. So for me, what that means is I'm not doing uh, much administration and I'm not preaching. Um, and so the bulk of my day is spent just reading and prayer and um, just seeking the Lord. And this morning I picked up Raven Hills. Uh, why? Revival Terry's. Yeah, why Revival yeah. Terry's. Yep. Right. Uh, so I feel like I've been slapped in the face. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the thing that, that it just really so clearly reminds us, man, we need to be we need to be seeking the Lord to fill us with his spirit. Right, exactly. And, and that time in prayer is not optional as our message prep, but it is functional. It is necessary. But we've yep. got to have that time uh, allowing the Lord to, to light us up. Yeah, you can't be remouthing a, a commentary. One of the one of the things that I've always uh, talked with guys about, uh, as far as doing studies, is you have to outline. You, you have to know what the passage says. You have to know what connects one section to the next section, and yet you you have to follow the the thought pattern of uh, the writer. So if you're dealing with Paul, Paul's very structured. And so you go through and you you outline that, and you could see where he's going. You could see why verses are connected together, and you're never going to be in a position where uh, you're using verses out of context uh, if you'll if you'll do that that kind of work. And then what you do with that outline, whether you like you do go through and write down everything that you're going to say, or whether you you put down notes and and uh, uh, you you have areas that you're you're going to go into or putting in application that kind of thing. But um, Spurgeon uh, at one point uh, talked about a sermon is like uh, a loaf of bread. And 
you can you can take and you can package a pa uh, passage so that the people can take it out of the building with them or you can you can take it and you can slice it up and start throwing you know pieces of bread at them or you can you can take it and throw some water at them and throw some flour at them and throw some eggs at them and you know the there's one that's going to be way more effective and it's it's where somebody can walk out of a you know out of a building and know what the passage has to say know what the application is to their life and you know that's that's our job that's what we're doing yeah yeah that's great all right you ready for the lightning round yeah okay three questions just real quick your answers number one is who's your go-to pastor to listen to Oof. it could be dead or alive um i'd say alistair bay yeah hmm. okay number two uh What's a recent good read? A book you'd suggest to other pastors? Like you should, you should read this book. Um, Live not by lies. By um, oh, right here. Where it is? It's somewhere right here. I don't know. Dreyer, Rod Dreyer, by Rod Dreyer. Live not by lies. Excellent read. And last one, what's one piece of advice you'd give for someone in full-time ministry? Something that you feel like unique to what you've gone through, like you just want to impart to the listeners. Take care of your spiritual life. Um, don't compromise there. Keep yourself healthy spiritually. Spend that time with the Lord. You will always be able to fill your schedule with doing more stuff. You need... You need to, to have the Lord pouring into you uh, deeply, regularly, consistently. That's awesome. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate you taking time from your sabbatical to come and hang out with us on the <laughs> Thanks, podcast. Corey. I miss your beard, but uh, I'm sure we'll be back next time I see you. So it'll be back. Good news. And I uh, just appreciate you being on the show, man. Love you. Right. Take care. The EQ Podcast is here as a resource for our listeners. Check us out at eqministry.com. On our website, you'll find a variety of helpful tools, including past ministry conferences and a contact form to seek out help or counsel from seasoned Calvary pastors who want to encourage you in your serving or answer your ministry-related questions. Until next time, God bless.